Okay, so we're in our series of classes, Journey to Self to Self. We're in class eight, which is called He Chose His Nation with Love. Um, but just we should do a quick recap on the last class, which was called The Jewish Being and Being Jewish. We basically defined what it what being Jewish means. And we defined a Jew as a human being within a shaman. A non-Jew is a human being. So a Jew is a human being within a shaman, which means we have a very human element to us, which for the regular Jew is his or her default. They look through their human eyes. They're not looking at the world through their godly eyes, generally, um, nearly, you know, nearly exclusively. That's why we say, Elokai neshamash nasati bi tohirahi. God, that you put inside me my neshama. Well, I thought I was the neshama. So why did you say you put inside me? Neshama shnasata bi tohirahi. And that's the point, is that we don't relate to ourselves as a neshama. Tzadikim and tzadikasis relate to themselves as a neshama, whereas we relate to ourselves as a human being with a neshama. So it basically creates the um, this free will and which we're going to discuss much more today as well to share is created through this proximity of our human element and our godly element the human element can't do something completely altruistic it's a it's a it's a creation it's of creation so our, the human aspect of ourselves can't do something utterly altruistic. The godly aspect of ourselves, the neshama, can and does. So this is basically kind of the like, dichotomy of the Jew. There's this part of us that wants to survive, and then this part of us that just wants to merge back into God. And we're trying to juggle these two kind of impulses. That's basically how it works. Um, we um, we said that there's two types of animal soul. There's the there's the one that comes from. Remember we spoke about klipa. So there's the one that comes from the opaque klipa, which has no it has no selflessness. What has no uh, no like shaykhs, no connection to selflessness whatsoever. Um, and then there's the animal soul that comes from what's called Klippus Neuger, which is the translucent Klippus, we said, that has an element of selflessness that can appreciate the reality of another, basically. The, the Jew has that, the nefesh of Bahamas of the Jew, the animal soul, the, the human soul of the Jew, comes from that less dense Klippus, which means it naturally has the ability to appreciate another human being. Whereas uh, of a regular human being, their default human soul doesn't have that ability. And they have to cultivate, they have to learn and cultivate that ability. So it comes out, and this is what we left them last, last time, is that the avoider of the Jew in this world, well, let's say like this. You remember what the, the purpose of a human being? What's the goal of a human in this world? Do you remember? To recognize that there's somebody 
else is that I forget exactly the uh, terminology. Use your intelligence to realize that other people are real. Yes, that is the job of a human being in this world. That's why human beings got created to get to the level by using their intellect to appreciate that other human beings exist and to act accordingly, which means basically dedicate yourself to helping other people. By the Jew, that's almost natural. The thing is, we've been in Gullus for so long that we're, it's not, it's become a little less natural to us. But, but the natural kind of like laboratory textbook default factory setting ex, you know experience of a jew is that they do appreciate another human being naturally not because of anything that they've done just that's how they were built so our avoider the jewish avoider if we take that for granted our avoider our ikka avoider is to come to the recognition that god is real more real than me so the human avoider is to appreciate that another human being is more real than me, or at least as real as me. And the Jewish avoider is to get to the level where God is at least as real as me, and hopefully to the stage where we understand that God is more real than me. That's our job. That's, that's basically the work of the human and the work of the Jew in this world. Okay, so that said, let's jump into our next class, which is class eight. And we're nearly done because when we get to class, basically we finished class 12 will be a review and class 11 will be the final class of the of the of the of the uh, of the of the course, whatever you want to call it. OK, so the question is. We're called the chosen nation, the chosen people. What does that mean? You have any like thoughts on that? What would you do if? You know your next door your non non Jewish next door neighbor came up to you. I don't know if they're non Jewish, but your next door neighbor, your non Jewish next door neighbor came up to you and said, "What does it mean that you guys are the chosen people? What does that mean? What would you answer?" Well, we're supposed to be a light unto the nations. We that we have, I, don't know, I guess, more morality, and we're supposed to be a good example. What does that mean? He chose us. He chose us to be a light unto the nations, as in there were all these nations, and he like went, okay, Jews, you're going to be the nation who spread my message. That's that's what I think. I'm, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, well, we learned, you know, I don't know if it's a medrash that Hashem went to all the nations and said, you know, the Torah has this in it, you know. And they rejected it. So we, I guess, were by default, but then, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> why, why did he choose us? What, what does it mean? This is really the question, is what does it mean to choose? See, it sounds like very simple, yeah? But really, it's not so simple at all, really, because we also say a very important point is in, in Shachris, we say we finish the bracha before creation. He chose in his nation Israel with love. What is there a difference between choosing and choosing with love? What would be the difference? So just give me about five seconds.
what would be the difference between choosing someone and choosing someone with love? That's a very important point. We'll get there. We'll get back to that. Okay. So we're, we're going to answer those questions, but let, let's just discuss something else quickly before we answer those questions. So there's a famous, uh, I mean, in the Chumash, there's two famous, uh, two very famous people. There's lots of famous people, but two very famous ones who we're going to concentrate is Noyach and Avram. Noyach was a righteous Gentile, and Avram was the first Jew. Now it's very interesting because when the when the Torah introduces Noyach, it says that Ayla told us Noyach, these are the generations of Noyach, Noyach Ish Tzadik, Tamim Hayabur Doyroisav, Esalokim his Halech Noyach. It gives three big praises to Noyach. It says he was an East Sadik, he was perfect in his ways, and he walked with God. That's big. for the Chumash to take out, for the Chumash to give one praise is a big thing. Yeah, but three praises, it's called him a Tzadik. He says that he was perfect in his ways, and he walked with God. Avraham, on the other hand, it says like this. This is when, it, when the Torah introduces Avraham. Yeah? It says, Go, just go. Avraham, go. Leave your house, leave your, leave your land, leave where you're born, leave your father's house, and go to the land that I show you. And then he goes on, he says, I'll make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. All the nations will bless you. Why didn't he give him any praise at all? Avraham was for sure greater than Noach, no? Noach, he gave all of these praises. And Avraham, he was just like, okay, get out of here. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you all this cool stuff. You're going to be etc., uh, etc. Et What's the difference between Hashem's relationship to Noach and Hashem's relationship to Avram. Okay, so th this is the foundation of everything. And we'll, we'll bring a few different Makoras. This this class is very, like, we haven't, I don't know if you noticed, we've hardly brought any, like, sources for stuff. I've tried to make it very, like, easygoing on the... But this class, I think, is important. So we've brought, we've brought a few um, sources. If you, wanna, if you want to print out these, uh, the actual quotes, you can go to B'nai Aliyah, and there's a, a selfless self page. And all, have you seen that page with all the classes? So you've got the folder of each, on each class. You've got a folder and you can download. So you can get these quotes if you want to see the quotes yourself. It's all on a, a sheet over there. It will, will be. Okay. So there's a Teferis Yisrael. Or there's there's a mission in Avois. Yeah. In Pika Avois. Which says, who I am. Choviv Adam Shenivra B'Tselem. Man is dear or loved or whatever because he was created B'Tselem in the form, meaning B'Tselem Elakim. He's created in the in the in the form of God. What do they call it? Not the form of God. In the in the image. In the image of God. He's created in the image of God. And it was an even greater love. That it was let known to B'nai Adam that they were created in God's image, 
And then he brings a Pasuk, says, Bikitselem Elokim, Asres Odom. The Pasuk says, with the, in the image of God, man was made. Now it goes along, it says, Chovivin Yisrael, Shniku Bonim Lomakon. Yeah, Yisrael Choviv, um, dear, loved, beloved, because they are called Bonim, children to God. And it's an even bigger chiba, bigger kind of display of love that he let us know that we're his children. So human beings are loved because they are made in the tselem elokim. Yidin are loved because they are called children of God. Banim l'ashem elokim. What's the difference between your next door neighbor's kids and your own kids to you, the relationship. I know they're your kids, but Lemaisa, how does that actually express itself? Care more about them, you love them. Do you love your neighbor's kids? I like them. <laughs> you probably love but... them. I mean, you'd be terribly upset if something happened to them, no? Of course, yes. You love them. You have a love for you. It's not the same love as for your kids, but you definitely love your neighbor. I love my neighbor's kids. For sure you love them. You feel weird saying love them because you love your kids, so you can't say the same thing. But we also say I love pizza, so we can say we love our neighbor's kids. There's for sure a difference, but we love our neighbor's kids. But what's the lemaisa? Let me ask you a question. If your neighbor's kids were ratty, horrible, spoiled brats... Would you still love them? Well, you asked if I would feel bad if something happened to them. So yes, you would. You would feel bad if something happened to them, but you wouldn't. Would Would your relationship, the kids who live next door to you, are cute? They're nice kids. They're not cute. Well, two doors away is Jewish. Uh, yeah, very cute. Okay, the kids. So I'm saying the kids who are your friends, your kids, your yes. kids two doors away. Yes, and and they're nice kids. Very nice. So you like, they come around to your house and you like them, you love them, you feel nice with them, you, yeah. What if they were like horrible? If they weren't nice kids? Then I would not want them to come over. <laughs> you wouldn't like them. You'd, right. You still might be upset if something happens, but you wouldn't like them. Meaning your relationship with your neighbor's kids is predicated on their behavior. Your relationship with your kids is not predicated on their behavior. This is where we're going with this whole thing. It's such an important idea. Is that the reason why the Chumash gives all this Shevach to Noach, he was a Givaldic, he was Givaldic, he was a bit Sadik, he walked with the Shem, he was perfect, etc. Yeah, is because the nations of the world's relationship with the Creator is dependent on their behavior. Whereas our relationship with the creator is not dependent on our behavior. We could disappoint him. We could anger him. Like your pet, if your kids uh, behave badly, it, it's annoying and it makes you angry, but you don't become like distant from them in like, they're still your children. We've said this before, it's, it's probably... In all the things that I've learned about Chinuch, the most important thing, I've said this to you before, 
about I've I've done this with all my children, and if you haven't done it, you should do it. Is try this. I said this to you when you said to him, would you rather me say that mummy loves you or that I'm your mummy and I'll always be your mummy no matter what? Ask them what they prefer you say. You've done that? I told you, did I tell you that? Yeah. I haven't. So this is a very because really your love for your children is very, very secondary. The fact that they are your children is very, very primary. Now you should love them, yeah? And you could, there is, in a, in a sense, we call our, our relationship with them love, okay? But the emotion of love, meaning like when they do horrible things, yeah, you don't feel love towards them. Yeah, you want to scream and, you know, you want to get away from them. You don't feel love towards them, but you do love, you still love them. But really, when we say you still love them, we're meaning you're their mother and you will always be their mother. And that will never, ever change. There's nothing they could ever do, ever, that would make you not be their mother. That's the relationship. And that's worth more, infinitely more, than your feelings towards them. You with me? And the shock, this is just as a side point, but this is, I don't know if you call it shocking, but it's it's moedic, is this is the same as marriage. See, in the Western world, we've grown up thinking that if you love someone, then you marry them, meaning that love is primary and the marriage is something you do with someone who you love. It's completely the opposite. Love is a tool to enhance marriage. Marriage is the relationship. Marriage is the commitment. That's what it's about. The feeling of love, you can work on that. You can act lovingly. You can learn things. You can look at, you can, there's all kinds of different techniques you can do to feel love towards them. And it's Kadai to do that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But the relationship is what it's all about. That's the relationship. It's not your love for your children or your love for your husband doesn't make them important. It's your relation to you. It's your relationship with them that makes them important to you. So it's Kadai to love people who are important to you. But because you love someone, it doesn't make them important. Your love doesn't make someone important. Like, who cares about your love? It's the fact that you're in a relationship, either they're your children, is your husband, whatever it is, that means that they're important to you. So the relationship between Am Yisrael and Hashem is with children, with his children. So when, when Hashem says to Avraham, Avraham, go, get out of here. What it's teaching us is that our connection to the creator is not based on our behavior. We can disappoint him, we can make him happy, etc. But we're always going to be his children. In fact, when we behave badly, it's it's much worse in that he's he's more frustrated because he's got children who aren't who aren't in line with what he wants being done so it's much more painful for him but he ends up more involved in a sense more involved so so it, it says like this that was that's what the, the, the that's what the mission says in our voice that the people are created in his image and Israel are his children. You're getting the idea, you understanding this a bit? Making sense?
Yeah. Okay. So now there's a Teferis Israel on that Mishnah, the Yochin who was not a Risha, he was like an Achorin who, who commented on the Mishnah. And he said like this, Shekoha Umois Chavivin, all of the nations are loved, because they have the, the image of God. And even so, and even so that they have the same again, when they are extremely bad, yeah, exceedingly evil, it's possible that this image will depart from them. You're not allowed to look at a, uh, a, 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 a evil person. And whatever, you're not allowed to look at a, uh, a an evil person because the Ruach of Tuma has kind of attached itself to them, which means their Tselem, their image of God has departed from them. So when when um, when a non-Jew acts badly, he loses his tselem elokim, and that means he loses Hashem's he loses connection to Hashem legamli. Whereas by the Yidden it says about Yisrael, many decroim bonim who are called bonim. By the way, that means that the, the human beings that all all humans are loved by God by default. Everyone is loved by God. All of Hashem's creations are loved by God. By default. Even if they do avoid the even though they do avoid their chavivus remains. Just like our children. If our children do anything bad, that love, meaning the, the ultimate level of love, not, not the feeling, not the emotion that comes and goes, yeah, but the actual connection to the child, yeah, that remains. doesn't matter what they do. Mishum shadoimim kim avihem, because he's like our father. And we... we even if we do avoid desire, we're still chaviv to him. Meaning that our relationship to Hashem is an essential relationship. It's one of essence. It's not predicate. It's not one of. Um, um, it's not not logistics. What would you call it? It's not a. Uh, um, an the opposite of an essential relationship. Transactional, not transactional relationship. It's the difference between your relationship with your children and with your with your with your next door neighbor's kids. That's the difference. So Avraham, who gets introduced in the Chumash, it doesn't need to give him Shevach because that's got nothing to do with our relationship. Whereas by Noach, who is the the paradigm perfect human, yeah, then it tells you all the Shevach of Noach. And then it comes along and it says, then the Pasuk says in Shemois, Im You'll be a Segula from all of the nations. The 
the um, the Orchayim says, what does it mean a segula, an um segula? He doesn't have any need for us. Yeah. They're like a segula. Segula, like we could like call it like a piece of jewelry. That kings have a desire for a segula. That's a that's an expensive utensil, a, a very a precious utensil. Even though they don't have a need for it. Now this is a very a very deep. This is a very uh, cute thing to say, but listen to how deep it is. Your children, you have no need for your children, but you need your children. You hear that? You have no need for your children, but you need your children. You need your children. You need them. They are they are you. You are them. You can't be without your children. You can't not have your children. They, they, you're bound up with them. But you don't have a need for them. They're not like utilitarian. Not Is that the word, utilitarian? Yeah, they, they don't have some kind of utility... <laughs> the opposite, <laughs> you know, my kids help out. Yeah, but but you don't need, you don't have a need for them, but you need them. That that should be turned into like a bumper sticker or something, right? You, know? you don't have a need for your children, but you need your children. That's the whole point. That's an amsagula, meaning that we are his children. He doesn't have a need for us, but he needs us, if you could say such a thing about Hashem. It's an essential need. Like, you need your children. Yeah, he needs us. Okay, so now, now that we've got that clear, we can understand what it means free choice. Because free choice is what it means he chose us. Now, we're going to make a big difference here between what's called Bechira and Bechir Chofshis. Choice and free choice. So now this is the famous uh, the famous example I always give. I offer you, I have in one hand a $10 bill, the other hand a $100 bill. And there's no, no, uh, uh, no funny business, whatever. You're allowed to take one of these bills and that's it. Which one do you take? A hundred. Obviously. What about 50 and a hundred? A hundred. A hundred. Do you have a choice in the matter? You do, but it's no one would choose the lower amount. So then what, do you have a choice in the matter? You just like said two opposite things. You could choose, but no one would. You're what we would say is you're being compelled by your mind to take the hundred dollar bill. You're not free to take, you could, you could like want to do, you could like you, like if you're like, oh, I just want to spite you and I want to, I see you want me to take the hundred dollar bill. So I'm going to spite you and take the $10 bill, but you're still 
compelled by your mind? What does it mean a free choice? Because right now you've got the $100 bill and the $10 bill and the $100 bill is compelling you to choose it. It's like, like for example, another example would be like a, um, a, 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 a low-fat, delicious chocolate yogurt next to a high-fat vanilla yogurt that you don't like. What's the choice? It's the same thing. But it's a little more complicated now because there could be other people. The ten dollar bill and the and the and the hundred dollar bill. That's just like shavu b'chol adam. Everybody would feel the same way. But you realize when we start getting into like let's say a car now, the choice between a, a a red Ferrari and a yellow Lamborghini. Yeah. Do you realize that it's still the same mechanics at work? There's going to be one guy who loves Ferraris and his favorite car's red. So to him, the red Lamborghini next to the orange, so the red Ferrari next to the orange Lamborghini, it's like the $100 bill and the $10 bill. Yeah. But then there's another guy who likes Lamborghinis in yellow. So for him, it's the other way around. But then you get this, this poor guy who likes yellow, but he prefers Ferrari. Now he's sitting there thinking... You with me? None of this is free choice. This is all to do with you're being compelled by your mind. It could be that the cheshbon becomes complicated and now you can't make a decision. You might have to flip a coin. But it's not free. What does it mean free choice? You with me? Do you hear the question? What is it, are you ever free to choose something? Or is it always choosing you? That's really what's happening with the $100 bill and the $10 bill. You're not choosing anything. It's choosing you. It, the $100 bill is sitting there looking at you going, you know, how can you even look at that $10 bill? Look at me. I'm a $100 bill. Take me. So you're being compelled by your mind, which is really being kind of dominated by that $100 bill. That's called choice that's called not free choice that's called choice and in a sense an animal can make that same same choice not on such a complicated level but uh, but a, a cat could decide could make a choice between you know the the rabbit whatever and the and the and the mouse or, i don't know it can make a choice if it wants to eat that or eat that it can make a choice that's called choice that's not called free choice so let me ask you a question in regards to mitzvahs. If you've grown up in a house where the father was just humbling you with the concept of Gehenna, yeah? And now you're standing in front of an Avera and you're tempted to do the Avera. But you know that if you do this little Avera, you're going to go to Gehenna for 100 years and suffer the most terrible torch you could ever imagine. Is that free choice? Well, let's make it, let's make it even more, let's make it even more, more obvious. Yeah, your father employs a big like bouncer with a hammer to walk around with you 24 seven. And if you ever do anything wrong, he gives you a bang with the, with the stick or whatever. 
you've got a choice to do anything wrong. It's the same thing with the dollar bill. It's it's a it's a cheshbon. Why would you choose to you know eat that eat that chay food when you're going to get a, you know you're going to get hit with a stick? Of course, you're not going to do that. So what on earth is free choice? So when it says that Hashem chose us, it wasn't choice. It was free choice, meaning he didn't look at us and say, well, they're very humble. They're good at making money. They are funny. They're all beautiful. V'chule, v'chule, I choose you. That would just be choice. And that would be really them choosing me. If I choose, if I have the option of 10 nations and one of them is beautiful and wealthy and intelligent and all the all the good things, yeah, then it's not really that I'm choosing them. It's like the hundred dollar bill. They're choosing me or they're making me choose them. That's not what happened. That's not what it means that we were chosen. So this is the um this is the example of of um this is what it means when you choose real choice. Not, not. So this is this is free choice, and when we understand our free choice, we'll understand what it means that Hashem chose Am Yisrael. You have, I've done this a couple of times. So this is like a funny thing that it's like the idea, but it, it just you'll get the idea. Okay, you can try it with someone. It's, it's an interesting thing. I I took um. A 20 shekel bill. I asked some guy in a shir I was giving. I said to him, give me, you have a 20 shekel bill? So he gave me 20 shekels. I took it. I turned around. So my back was towards him. I took out my own 20 shekel bill. And I put I put them in my hands. And I turned back around to him with two 20 shekel bills. And I said to him, take one. And his brain fried out. It's a really interesting thing to see. His you'll see it when because like, what would you do? Someone's offering you two one hundred dollar bills. Which one do you take? You like look. You're like desperately. Your brain is like I don't know if you know about photography, but when you try and focus your camera, sometimes the 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 focus just goes. It doesn't capture anything, so it just keeps going backwards and forwards. It's the same thing. Your brain flies out because your brain is looking for a reason to choose something. But when there's no reason to make a choice, you're like, I don't know. And you, yeah, so you might look for which one's closer to you or which one's like more crisp or etc. So I'm holding the two. I'm holding the two twenty shekel bills in front of this guy. This guy's been completely like. He's brain fried. He doesn't know what to do. And then I said to him, by the way, this one's yours. What do you think he did? He went and took that one. That is a good example of meaning you're choosing yourself in the thing, not you're choosing the thing. So it's like this. This is the example my Rebbe gives. Two identical kids, yeah? You've got two children. They're exactly the same in every way. They look the same. They behave the same. Everything's the same, yeah? But one of them's yours. Which one do you choose? So it's not you're choosing the child. 
It's your choosing you. It's you. It's a completely different thing. When the child is impressive and wonderful and amazing and you choose that child, it's not really that you chose the child. It was you were forced to choose the child. The child compelled you to choose it. But when the child is your child, which means if it came to me between child A and child B, yeah, and child B is your child, that makes no difference to me. I don't care. So I'm like still in that place of like, oh, I don't know what to do. So really you're choosing yourself, which means that it's not that you're choosing the other thing. That's called free will. That's called Bechir Chofshis, meaning it's you that you're choosing in the other. It's you seeing yourself in the other that you're choosing. And that's what it means that Hashem chose us. The neshama that we have inside of us is, so to speak, the other half of Hashem's soul, so to speak. It's his bride, it's his child, whatever you want to call it. Our neshama, the nishmas Yisrael, which is called the Shechina, is like Hashem's other half. So when he chose us, it wasn't because we were an impressive people. We were, we were mamash, we were lowly, lowly. We had come out of Mitzrayim, we were mamash, we were, we were in such a low matzav, but we were chosen because, because of him, not because of us. You with me? It's moedic. But when did we develop that part of him? That's really what was, it. Well, well, there's madragas to it, the avois were already chosen but as a nation we were chosen by 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 Harsinai. that's when when we received that that that's when that when when Hashem um so to speak recognized on an on a on a on a natural on a on a kind of a global on a on a revealed level that we were we had we had the neshama we didn't receive the neshama at uh, we received the neshama from Avraham Yitzhak and Yaakov. But when we, when we were called the chosen people, the chosen nation, it was a shem, so to speak, with the dollar bills. And that answers up the medrash. Why did a shem, because when you think about it, he went to Edom and he said, you're not allowed to kill. And they're like, oh no, we like to kill. But he went to Yishmael, he said, you're not allowed to steal. And they're like, oh no, we love stealing. Or Arias, I think. But no, no, to Edom was stealing. And he went to, uh, was it Moav? But right. Anyway, he went to the different nations and he gave because there was never an option to choose them. There, there was never an option for them to choose him. That's why he held the, the mountain over our heads at Har Sinai, Har Kagigis, because he couldn't not have us accept because it wasn't, it was a kind of, a, what's the word? It was a, it was a, a sealed deal from the, from the beginning. There was no option. The real Kabbalah, where we really had chosen, was by Purim. That was the story of Purim. But but by Matan Torah, we had no option. It wasn't it wasn't like an option. It's like you you don't have an option to choose your child. He's a child. She's a child. It's done. This it's the the deal's already been made. So that's what it means that we were chosen. Now, this is that's Hashem's choice in us. That's called free will, and this is what it means, our free will as well, the same thing. 
when we do a mitzvah, let's say because we want to get gun Aiden or we don't want to go to Gehenna, that is choice. That's not free choice. That's a cheshbon. Like we described earlier. Yeah, it's the hundred dollar, ten dollar bill. If you've got a if you've got a scary enough, real enough picture of Gehenna in your mind, yeah, then you're not gonna choose the uh, you're not you're not you're not gonna miss out on the mitzvah or choose the Avera. Yeah. Or if or conversely, if you've got a very vivid real picture of Ganada in your mind, then how could you bypass the mitzvah? You don't particularly want to do it, but look, we're talking about eternal pleasure. Yeah. That's exactly the same thing as the yogurt, the same thing as the $10 bill, the $100 bill. You with me? That's just choice. So you're really not choosing. You're being chosen either by your image of Gehenna or by your desire for Ganada or whatever it is. Yeah. So what does it mean that you actually have free choice in a mitzvah? Free choice in a mitzvah is exactly the same idea as what we just spoke about with Hashem choosing Am Yisrael. Is it's not that you're choosing to do the mitzvah because of some kind of benefit that it will give you. That's just choice. That's not an expression of yourself. That's an expression of the thing. Your free choice to do the mitzvah comes from you recognizing yourself in the mitzvah recognizing that the mitzvah is you you and the mitzvah is one so there isn't really a choice in that sense that's called free choice and that is also what tshuva is the same idea tshuva is is the expression of it's just the neshama expressing herself. That's what tshuva is. Tshuva is, like I've given this example a lot of times, I, I give the example of a husband getting angry at his wife and I give a bad example of a husband hitting his wife. You know? So a husband, a husband gets really angry with his wife and he hits her. She runs off and he sits down on the couch and he puts his hand, he's never done such a thing, he can't believe it just happened. And he puts his hands in his, his head in his hands and he says to himself, I can't believe what I've become. I can't believe that I just did that. I can't believe how low I am, yeah? That is not tshuva bichlal. Tshuva is, I can't believe my wife needed, I can't believe my wife is having to go through this. That's tshuva. Tshuva is not about me becoming better. It's about the 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 relationship that I'm in, the other is not getting what they deserve. That's real tshuva. So that's the again that the expression of your neshama kind of coming to the surface and fixating its eyes on the rabbinishloidim and saying he deserves so much more than this from me. Not oh I'm so bad I'm such a Russian it's just like a self you know. It's like a self-improvement thing. Wow, that's not what tshuva is. You see in a relationship, like, I want to be the best husband. You know, I want to be the best wife. What's that got to do with my spouse? <laughs> I just want to be the best spouse. That's got nothing to do with my spouse. That's just to do with me. I want to be the best mother. I want to be the best friend. I want to be the perfect husband. 
what's that got to do with the other with your with your spouse with your child with your with your friend it's not it's about me a relationship is like we've said many times being a mother is not a role being a father is not a role being a wife is not a role it's about the other it's got nothing to do with me whatsoever it's about you that's that's the relationship so trigger is this is when the neshama so to speak just comes to the surface and expresses herself and that's also what Messias nefesh is so we'll finish on this but this is very very deep very important it's all the same idea it's all the same idea that Messias Nefesh, when the Tanya gives the example of Messias Nefesh, it gives the example of what it calls a Kal Shabakal, like, um, uh, like a really like alienated, you know, a really not, not, a, not, a, not a particularly holy Jew, yeah? Not, not a Jew who's really behaving himself, yeah? Of the, the, I can't think of a word. The secular, very lowly Jew, whatever it is, a very, a very unaffiliated Jew. That's the example. He gives the example of someone coming to this Jew, gun to his head, and says, "Either you bow to the cross, or I kill you." And he says, "Take my life. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go against the Shemechad. Not against my religion, because he has no religion. He's not religious, but he won't go against the Shemechad." He won't, he won't do something against God, so to speak. So the question is, why does the Balatanya choose a non-affiliated Jew? Why didn't he like choose Rabbi Akiva, who taught Torah in front of everybody and then was, you know, evilly tortured and killed by the Roman by the Romans? Why did he choose an unaffiliated Jew to, to, to explain Messias Nefesh? Listen to how beautiful this is compared to as in, in context of everything we learned. So the big tzaddik, yeah, what does he do? He wakes up in the morning. The first thing he does is say, Moida Ani, yeah? He has the Nagel Vasa next to the bed. He washes his hands. Yeah, he says, Al-Latilis Yadayim. Yeah, goes to the bathroom and says, Sheyatsa. Yeah, he goes to the mikveh. He goes, goes to shul. He davens. He comes back, has a bite to eat. He benches. He goes to work and he's thinking about Shochanach or he goes to the base medrash and he's learning, whatever it is, yeah, the whole way through the day until bedtime, he says Kriyashma, he falls asleep on his left side and he wakes up the next morning and does the whole thing all over again, yeah? Someone comes to his, someone puts a gun to his head and says, okay, you give up your God or I'll kill you. And he's like, hmm, well, if you take away like, I can't, there's nothing left of me. What would I, what, if you take away all of my avoider, then what is there left of me? Hmm. It's like, it's like, um, and if we've said this before, that, um, did we mention the film Braveheart? I think we mentioned it with the, with the identification. It's the same thing. When he says they may take our lives, but they will not take our freedom. Meaning he's prepared to give up his life for his freedom that is a cheshbon he's making a cheshbon like this like this very firm guy who's now got the 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 guys pointing the gun at his head and he's thinking if you were to if i can't do any of my avoiders now then well, you might as well just take my life because there's nothing left that's a cheshbon 
That's choice. That's not free choice. You with me? Messias Nefesh. So that's the highest level a human being can get to, where he would give up his life with a cheshbon, with a good cheshbon. Say, no, I'm not going to bow down to you, you evil tyrant. And I'm, I am I stand for freedom. And I stand for world peace. And you want to kill me, kill me. Because this, I stand for X, Y, and Z. And you stand for A, B, and C. And I don't want anything to do with that. And there you go. That's a very high level for a human being. But the Jewish, Jewish Messias Nefesh is, is exactly what we just said before, where the Neshama, so to speak, flares up. And the person is compelled. This is the funny thing. This is like free will is really not very free, meaning you are compelled, but not because of it, but because of you. So the neshama flares up and says, even though I'm not connected to Yiddishkeit in any way, I've never, I don't live, I don't care about it. I don't care about mitzvahs. I don't care about Torah. But the neshama turns around and says, I can't let go of my connection to God. And then that secular Jew gives up their life. That's real Messiah's nefesh. So for sure, Rebbe Akiva would have done that, for sure. But you would have the hover meaning. You would have, you could have had the erroneous thought that Rebbe Akiva was sitting there thinking, mm, yeah, you know what? I think it's better probably take my life. I mean, what is what's it going to be like without my without my avoider? That would be the havamina. So it's the exact same thing all over again. So we've basically just spoken about one concept just in about we've spoken about in three different contexts of human in, in the Jewish experience and how that accounts for Hashem's choosing us. It's all the same thing. It's an expression of us. Nothing to do with the other. It's the fact that me and you are one. It's the fact that my child and I are, an, we are essentially bound with one another. It's not got anything to do with the child's behavior. It's a bond of, of Echad. That's, by the way, why the Gematria of Ava and Echad is the same, 13. Because that kind of love, the love that you have for your child, which is not the emotion of love, that could also be, but that comes and goes. But the actual love for your child, which is predicated on the fact that, that it's predicated on the fact that you're one with each other. Your mum is one with each other. And it's not to do with the behavior, Bichlal. It's, it's essential. It's so much deeper than that. So that's what it means that Hashem chose us. It's not that he picked us out of a bunch of, picked us out of a bunch of options it's that he saw himself in us that's called the neshama that's called the shechina that's called kinesis israel that's called nishmas israel he saw himself in us and that's why we that's why he chose us. And that's what it means we started this year that he chose us with the that's that's his connection to us and that's what it means by us when we choose, when we use our free will, that's exactly the same idea. It's an expression of us, not an expression of the other thing. It's like you prefer that watch to that watch. That's to do with the watch. That's not to, there is, a, there is it's an element of your, an external element of yourself, but that's not to do with you. 
Whereas, like we said, the choice of how you would choose your child over another identical child, which is a funny thing to say, is because that that child is yours. So really you're choosing yourself, but it's not a selfish choosing of yourself. It's that you're one and you have no option. So it comes out that free will, you're actually, you don't have a choice in it. So in that sense, Hashem chose us from all the other nations. I mean, I suppose they had a choice on which nation to put the Neshama into. But once Avraham had the Neshama and now, and now it went for Yitzhak and Yaakov and we became a nation, it was like signed and sealed. The deal was signed and sealed. Therefore, he had to make sure that we were going to accept. And therefore, that was the whole union of Harkagigis. He had to make sure that that would be accepted. And then by Purim, by the story of Purim, we actually received it upon ourselves on a very, uh, on the most, uh, on the most like volitional level. It wasn't, it was, that was our, we, we, we decided that we were going to be part of the picture. Okay, Shibizoicha. We really learned a very, if you think about this a lot, you'll realize how deep it means to be in a relationship with uh, with our children, with our husband, with our, or whoever it is, the, the relationships that we're in, what that really means, and, and that it puts those people in, the reason why it puts them in a completely different category to everybody else in the world. It's, it's they're completely different. It's like your spouse is something completely different to every other human being in the whole world. Because it's you, you're one. And your children, it's it's a oneness. So the emotion of love for your children and for your spouse, the emotion of love becomes very, very secondary. Very, very secondary. It's Kadai to love them on an emotional level, of course. But that's not the relationship. And that means that when a person doesn't love their spouse, that's not a reason to end the relationship. That's a, re a reason to try your hardest to love your spouse. <laughs> it could be abusive or other things. There's reasons to get divorced, obviously. But because a person doesn't love their spouse, that's not a reason to, to, to end the relationship. That's a reason to love your spouse. Now do everything in your power to rekindle that emotion. But don't think because the emotion's gone, the relationship's ended, not that it's for carrot. The relationship is real. The emotion comes and goes. And so I'll work on it. Bring the bring the emotion back. That can that can be done. Much more, much more essential is the actual relationship. So it spreads out from everything. That's Hashem's relationship to us, and that's our relationship to our spouses, to our children, etc. It's all one one thing. We just said one thing this class. Literally one thing, just from different angles. Okay, she'll be zeicher as well to Hashem. Thank you. Okay. Any questions? We're all good? Good. Thank you.